as I think about where we're at as a church, you know, we've been going through this one Corinthian series, it's been brilliant, and we're going to continue to do that. Um, but actually, even this week, I've had four emails from different people in the church with some fairly significant things going on in their lives, and uh, things that rock us every day. And um, it's on the back of this, and I look at the church and think, we've had, we've had deaths, we've had cancers, we've had all stuff going on very recently, um, and this psalm is just a great psalm to dwell on and just look at and try and bring a few points out of. Um, so, we're going to read it. If you've got your Bibles, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rods and your staff, they comfort me. We'll come on to the rest in a bit later. Just to give you a little bit of background on this psalm, it is just so well known in our culture, isn't it? In our society. And I think for thousands of, certainly lots of generations over thousands of years, many people have found great peace in this psalm. Um, And even if you're here in a church for the first time ever this morning, I would suspect it's not the first time that you've heard this psalm. Um, It's been used by lots of different people in many different ways, by many artists. I was thinking about a few of these, Pink Floyd, U2, Coolio. We were singing a bit of Coolio yesterday as we remembered it, as I walked through the valley of the... Sandra was going, rapping away. (laughs) Kanye West has used it. Um, It's been cited in many films, like the Titanic, for the ladies there, Terminator Salvation, it's cited in... Uh, as a film there, and it's even the theme tune to Vicar of Dibley. There's your fan. And you know, it really is a beautiful song, isn't it? And as I said, it's really gripped our culture, and it's used a lot actually, isn't it? Mainly, if we think about it, in funerals. And um, although that does have some relevance, you know, this song has some relevance in, in that even though I walk through the darkest valley. I think a little bit like Chris was talking about 1 Corinthians 13, it's used in weddings. Um, and obviously they're talking about this from a perspective of romantic love. I think this psalm is not primarily about death at all. Um, in fact, it's a psalm that speaks to us about living. Um, so it's a little bit odd that it's used at funerals. I can understand why. But primarily, when we actually look at what it's about, it's actually about living. It's about walking through life and finding that sense of peace, whatever life throws at us. Um, and it's a beautiful psalm. It's written by King David. And it's just important to know just a few things about him um, because of what the psalm says. He's talking about the shepherd, okay, and talking about God being a shepherd. And um, we know he's speaking as one whose actual job, when we first meet him, he was in the fields, shepherd in the flocks. He was an expert shepherd. This is what he'd done. So he's speaking about God, declaring who he is through his expertise, knowledge of knowing what a shepherd does. And, um, And I think there's so much depth here in this psalm that we can pull out of it. And I think... 
as we look at this, even just the first line, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I think this king now of Israel, you know, he was a majestic king. He saw the land extend in his reign um, significantly, not quite as much as Solomon, but significantly. He was seen as a great king. Um, And for him to actually declare that the Lord is my shepherd, I think is actually quite a humble and contrite thing to say, even though we're talking about the Lord God. And I say that because he understands that he is the Lord's sheep. That's what he's saying. That's what he's declaring. The Lord is my shepherd. And actually, he knows how silly and uh, smelly and irritating sheep can actually be out there on the field. And um, he's acknowledging his role in this relationship with Yahweh, isn't he? He's acknowledging that he is the sheep and the Lord is his king. And actually, he's totally dependent on God and he's one of his sheep. And he uses all sorts of metaphors throughout this psalm from his experience of being a shepherd. And I just want to run through the psalm. I just want to look at um, applying a few of these phrases that he uses, trying to understand where he's coming from. Because I think this psalm is intended to give us great peace, okay, in our lives. So, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I, um, I occasionally get away, have one of these retreat days, and I go walking in the lakes or something like that, or North Wales was the last time I think I went with Matt. Me and Matt went off to North Wales. And, and actually, when I think about this song, I wonder if you think about the same things. It's this sort of picturesque place. And I remember the last time I went to the lakes, it was in the summer, and um, I was walking along, and you just stop and lie down, and Psalm 23 comes, you make me lie down in green pastures, you lead me beside quiet waters, and it's this idyllic picture, isn't it, of, oh, God, you're so good. And um, the weird thing about it is, you make me lie down in green pastures, we are the sheep in this psalm. But actually, coming from the UK, having this amazing scenery, even we've been in Yorkshire for 14 years, and 20 minutes away, anywhere you go, there's just green fields full of sheep. I I actually can't imagine sheep outside of a green field. Have you thought about that? We don't see sheep outside of green fields. And I think because of where we've grown up, this psalm loses some of its significance. You make me lie down in green pastures. Of course sheep lie down in green pastures. Where else are they going to lie down? And I wonder whether that is the same scene that you see when you think about this psalm. You make me lie down in green pastures. But actually, David is writing this, and he's not living in the UK, is he? He's not living in Europe. Actually, he's a Middle Eastern um, shepherd. And I think the scene may have looked more like this. Does that change your perspective? You make me lie down in green pastures. This is what the terrain would have looked like as David's writing this psalm. 
don't know about you, but I don't see a lot of green. Sorry, that says green pastures. I was thinking, are you going to be able to see this? No, you can't. It says green pastures. I don't see a lot of green pastures there. And so when David writes this, it has all sorts of significance that maybe we don't grasp when we think about it in our heads. Actually, the fact that the Lord is his shepherd, he's able to say that, I think reflects the fact that actually the type of shepherd that we have is someone who can navigate this landscape. The Lord is someone who can navigate this sort of terrain, keep us safe, find us areas of rest and peace and green pastures. And I think that's comforting because actually when we look at our lives, if we look at what our terrain looks like, often our lives is not that nice cushy green field a lot of the time, is it? I know for many of us in the church with things that we're going through now, our lives probably resemble something a little bit more like this. It feels at times a bit arid, barren, hard. You don't quite know where you're going. This maybe is a bit more of the terrain that we can sort of get along with and understand. This is maybe a bit more of how we reflect or understand our lives to look like at times. And I think the thing about this psalm, I think David presents us with a complicit question and leaves us with an implicit promise. And the question actually arises is, if this is actually how life looks, are you confident enough to try and navigate this by yourself, on your own, or do you actually need a shepherd to lead you and navigate you through this difficult terrain? I think that's the implicit question. I think the promise is this, if life looks like this desert, and if the Lord is your shepherd, if you are led by him and you follow him, he will seek out places of peace for you that you would never find otherwise. And I think this is the message at the heart of this Psalm 23. And I'm going to race through, I'm going to look at more of these metaphors. So, we'll start with these green pastures. You know, where are these green pastures in the fields? They're actually quite difficult to recognize. There's a few sort of uh, bushy things there, but they're not quite green, they're sort of brown. And, um, you know, particularly on the mountaintops, you wouldn't have had the green pastures because it was so hot, the sun would have burnt them away. And actually, you only often find these green pastures down in the valleys, in the depths where it's a bit more sheltered from the sun, where the sun is not blaring down and burning it up. And what a shepherd had to do in those days was he had to find these places and remember where they were. And it is said of these places that actually you could literally go for days, if not weeks, without finding areas of green. You actually needed to know exactly where you are. And you know, David, he's a shepherd. He knows the absolute reality of this perspective. And he's telling us that actually God is familiar with these places of wilderness. And he's here to guide us as the the good shepherd. Because he knows where to find these places of peace for you and I. In fact, it's said 
that shepherds who really love their sheep would take would actually take a step further okay to find these areas of of green pastures it said they would essentially become farmers at times and they would actually till the soil they would seed it small areas they would sprinkle it and um, quite a grueling experience of removing all those rocks from the area tilling it out trying to get grass to grow in these areas the shepherd would handcraft these areas that he would bring his sheep to okay and um, he would have many of these handcrafted areas this is what shepherds tell us from this type of area that they would be able to bring their sheep to and they would guide them from one place to the next and um, this was these places of peace and I think that what David may, is, may have meant as he said this we see in the psalm he guides me along right paths he guides me along the right paths he leads us along those paths where he knows we're going to find that next place of peace and rest that next place of feeding that green pasture and it's a great picture isn't it it's a picture of this shepherd who knows how to guide us to green pastures he knows how to keep us safe and well fed he knows how to lead us into areas of peace amongst those times where we feel like we're in the wilderness he says also that he leads us beside quiet waters again if you look at this picture there's not a lot of water there is there it's arid it's, it's desert land really and actually because of those arid conditions the ground would have been pretty hard a lot of the time from the sun and water was actually sometimes a bit of a curse in these areas because what would happen is you'd get a flash flood and what happens there the ground is hard it doesn't seep into the ground actually this is a really dangerous point for sheep a flash flood in this terrain can cause a lot of damage but on the whole water was not in ready supply in these places again the shepherds would have to work very hard to find natural springs and these were again found deep in the valleys and one of the things that shepherds tell us about sheep is that they don't actually like drinking from flowing water like springs or rivers and the reason for this is actually sheep are quite clumsy aren't they and so as they get down to a spring or a water they lose their footing quite easily and if it's fast flowing water in a spring they can be swept away and this is why we've got this image of quiet waters he leads us beside quiet waters where his sheep and what the shepherd would do he'd want to create a safe place for his sheep to drink from and so again this very physical task potentially of gathering up stones creating a sort of pool a rock pool that he funnel something out from this stream he would do this for his sheep to make sure that they could come and they could drink safely from a still water from a from a pool these are the things the shepherd has to do to make sure that he leads us beside quiet waters god not only handcrafts 
green pastures for us to feed from, to be well fed. He also handcrafts pools so that we can drink safely, so that we can be refreshed. He also says he makes us lie down. He makes me lie down. And this feels a bit forced, doesn't it? He makes, it's like he forces us, but actually it's not in that sense at all. I don't know if many of you studied sheep. I hope not many of you have. But we're told that actually, and if you look at sheep, they don't lie down a lot, do they? When you look at them in the field, they're often standing. And um, shepherds tell us that actually, on average, they stand for 10 hours a day, even when they're eating food. They don't, you'd think it'd be much easier just to lie down, and eat, the, eat the grass, but no, they're still standing up eating. That's what they do. And Philip Keller, a pastor and an author who for eight years was a shepherd himself, writes this. He says, It's almost impossible for sheep to lie down unless certain requirements are met. Keller explains that before sheep will lie down, they need to be free of four things. Because of their timidity, sheep refuse to to lie down unless they are free of all fear. Unless they're free of all fear. Sheep will not uh, lie down unless they are free from friction with other sheep within the flock. He says that if they're tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. And lastly, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. And so for a sheep to lie down, there are four things that need to happen before actually they will lie down. They must be free from fear, from friction, from flies and famine before they will actually lie down. And if we translate that into our context, it's quite easy, isn't it? Essentially, God wants to remove some of the obstacles in our lives um, to help us to rest, to rest from all kinds of things. And you know, we know that this king, King David, he knows the ups and downs of life. It gives me great peace as I read this psalm and knowing it's from him because actually he's gone through some pretty dark times in his life, hasn't he? And he says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's saying when we walk through these valleys, actually these dark times, there is no need to fear. Why? Because God is with us. The presence of God is the antidote to fear. That's what he's saying. The presence of God is the antidote to fear. What defines us as a church? We're not a social club who just meet on a Sunday and sing some songs. We're defined because the presence of God is with us. And you know, it's interesting the valley. It's one of these strange places, if we think about it. It's one of those places we actually don't want to spend much time in, do we? Because it's dark. It's dangerous. Neil, if you go on to that next slide. Yeah. 
And as a sheep, it was a place where actually you were the most vulnerable to prey. You know, I don't know if you notice this about sheep, but they don't, they're not actually able to protect themselves at all. You know, we have dogs who are able to fight with their teeth and run fast. We have cats who have their claws. And sheep actually don't really have anything. What can they do? They can, they can headbutt, probably. That's about it. So they were just totally vulnerable. Without the shepherds, they did not stand a chance of surviving an attack. And this place of the valley is a place where actually it's dangerous for sheep. It's dangerous because you become the pickings. Everyone can see down on you. And you actually are unable to see a lot of what's going on above. And yet, to get nourishment, you have to go down into the valley. The mountaintops, as we've talked about, they were scorched. There was no green pastures on the mountaintops. They were found in the valleys. So to grow and to survive, you had to trek into the valley. And I think what David's saying here, actually for us, and it's really apt, um, I think he's saying you cannot live or grow as a sheep if you always live on the mountaintops. Sometimes we actually have to go into the valleys. We have to go into those dark places, those slightly scary places. We have to go through those. I want to say I think it's so important that we don't portray the Christian life as a mountaintop experience all the time. That life is somehow easy all the time. Because I want to say that mindset's dangerous. It's not biblical. That is not actually what the Christian experience is about. It's not that mountaintop time. There's times when you will feel like you're on that mountaintop and you can see everything going on. The sun is shining down on you. It feels great. But there are times we have to venture into the valley. And it's in those times often that we receive the nourishing, that we get to feed deeply on the green pastures, that we get to drink and be refreshed by the still waters. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you know when I picture a shepherd, I guess, like most of you, I picture this crook um, that I have. But actually, what they had in these days was um, a rod and a staff. And in fact, the rod was a weapon. There's a picture there, and actually it's not totally true, that picture. I couldn't actually find one, but reading everything. Essentially, the rod was a thick piece of wood. But then on the top of this wood, often they would... They would melt and smelt metal and sharp objects into the top. It was like this bulb that was there for whacking. It was a weapon. That's what the rod was. It was a weapon. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That doesn't actually bring us a huge amount of comfort, does it? The shepherds carry this huge weapon. But actually, when we realize this weapon isn't to be used against us, it's to be used to protect us, that brings us great comfort, doesn't it? Any predators that would have come, the shepherd would have had this tied into his belt, pulled it out, and he would have stood in, in the face of that predator, in between the sheep and the predator, and confronted that predator. And David's saying, God's like this. He's armed and he's ready to protect his sheep. Why does that bring us comfort? God's. The great I am is armed and ready to protect you. 
And not only does he carry a rod, but also a staff. It may have looked a little bit like this, with a hook on the end. And this was actually used um, essentially on the sheep to gently lead them or guide them. Often lambs would have to be guided and led a little bit more than a growing sheep um, to help keep them away from danger. And as they get older, actually what they did is they would just add a little bit of pressure from this just to guide them into safe places. And he didn't use this to beat them at all. This wasn't a, something to get them in line. Actually, this was used just to guide them, to gently prod them. Okay, ever so gentle. And also, he'd use his staff. He would hold it out. Whenever they came to a green pasture, he'd hold out this staff, and the sheep would go under the staff, and he'd count everyone. He'd count them off. One, two, three, four. And we know that if there was any lost, he'd go find them. He'd leave the sheep in this green pasture. And when he left, he made sure that he had all of the sheep that he started with. I want to say God protects us and he guides us. He's both loving and gentle in guiding us, and yet he's fierce in protecting us. I want to ask you, do you know who this God is? Do you know your good shepherd who leads you and guides you? And I, for some of you, I know a little bit of what you're going through, but honestly, I don't know what each and every one of you are going through in your lives right now. You may feel like you're in that green pasture, feeding well. You may feel like you've got this refreshing water to drink from. But for many, I suspect that even, as I said from this week, just some of the emails that I've had from you, life feels hot. You feel like you're in the dark valley. Or like we're walking on that rocky ground, that terrain. And if you don't, and life's great, then well done. But I want to suggest it will do at some point. Or you have been through that time at some point. And what gives me peace about this psalm is that David, the psalmist, his life was fraught with danger and strife, wasn't it? He had to live in a cave at one point as he was being hunted down for his very life. He was cheated. He was turned on by friends, by family members. And yet he was able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He knew that God gave him strength and energy to endure things that many, many of us would have been broken over. Many of the things that happened in his life would have broken us. And yet for him, he recognized the strength that came from his Lord. Knowing God doesn't mean that life is going to be rosy. But it does mean that we can rely and trust on a shepherd who guides us into peace, even in the midst of trouble and difficulty in our lives. I want to say this, that whatever you're facing in your life right now, God can still bring you to places of peace amongst that. How does he do that? How does God do that? How does he bring us to those places of peace? I want to suggest it's actually fundamentally through relationship with him. It's not some kind of quick fix solution or it's not us thinking... Lord, just do this, that'll solve the problem. 
It's through relationship. And I don't know if you can see, if you look in your Bibles, this shift that happens in the psalm. We see it in verse 4. Up to now, he's been talking about God in the third person. Okay? He does this. The Lord does this. And then in verse 4, it changes. Can you see that in your psalm? No longer he, but you. The pronouns actually become personal as he ventures through this psalm. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's something really important for us to understand here. I think when we're walking through the valley, when we're in those times of life, when life is the hardest, the idea of God himself, I don't actually think will get you through those dark times. Philosophies about God will not even get you through. Even if those things that you believe are true are true. Just believing is not going to get you through those tough times. I want to say that when we're walking through these dark times, we need to change the way that we talk about God, but also the way we talk to him. Do you know, it's easy to sing great songs and worship and praise him when life is good, but to be able to speak intimately with him in the valley is not easy. When you're going through the valley, it's often those times you have those tough questions for him. And I want to say this, we need to know God personally in those times. We need to be able to converse intimately with him, be upheld by him. We need to be led by the shepherd who knows what you need when you need it. Who knows where he's going to find that place of rest for you and refreshing. And David knew this, didn't he? We see it as he turns in verse 4 to understanding that no longer is it just the God of Israel who protects. It's not just having a police force that we trust in or a military that will protect the country. There's a personal understanding, a personal intimacy, a relationship with God that he's talking from. And I want to say this, David knew this, yet there's a dimension in his life that David cannot understand because of his place in history. When we turn to the New Testament and we look at Jesus, I want to say we come to find the good shepherd. Just a few examples, Mark 6, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus is standing in front of these huge crowds, isn't he? And he says he has compassion on them. Why? Is it because they're hungry? No. He actually says they're like sheep without a shepherd. So what does he do? I didn't actually notice this before. But in the feeding of the 5,000, he essentially becomes the shepherd over those people. So he splits them into groups of 50s and 100s. Yeah? Which is what a shepherd does when he's got a flock that's too great. 
And he tells them to sit down on the grass. And he feeds them. Both physically and spiritually. He is the good shepherd. Luke chapter 4, as Jesus comes into his ministry, what's the first thing that he starts to do in his ministry? Does he go to the temple and start preaching? No. He goes to the wilderness, to the desert place, to the wasteland. And he spends 40 days there with God, facing temptation and hunger, and he comes back even stronger. And I want to say this, this gives me just great comfort that my shepherds, the one I call my good shepherd, has experienced the wilderness in the extreme. He's faced difficulties. He's faced trouble and suffering and great pain. I don't think I could worship or follow a God that hadn't experienced some of these things. Just like I couldn't trust a shepherd who hadn't experienced anything of the wilderness or had no idea where to lead me. God has gone through the wilderness. He's made the journey himself and he's found peace. Finally, in John 10, Jesus takes the idea of this shepherd one stage further and he talks about the hired hands that could be seen on the hills looking after the sheep But he describes how actually the problem with hired hands is when danger comes, when the wolf comes, they're not going to stay and risk their life for a few pounds. The shepherd who truly loves their sheep lays down their life for the sheep. He lays down their life for the sheep. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. And I think he would have been thinking about Psalm 23 as he said this. He is the source and the hope of peace. And he says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I want to end just by telling you a story about an Irish poet called Joseph Scrivens. don't know if any of you have heard who that is. He was from Dublin in the early 1800s, and um, at the age of 25, he was engaged to be married. And the day before he got married, his fiancée tragically died in a drowning accident. And he was heartbroken, as he would be. And he decided, you know what, I can't continue to live in Dublin with all these memories of her. And he decided he was going to move. He got on a ship and he went off to Canada. And he made himself a new life there. He worked as a teacher He was very well known for his faith and his works with the poor. And eventually he met another woman called Eliza. And in the run-up to this wedding, this woman contracted pneumonia and died just days before the wedding. A second time. I I can't imagine what this man is going through in his life. Not only has it happened once, it's happened twice where the love of his life has died before he's even been able to marry her, become one with her. And just as this, just as Eliza dies, he gets this letter from his mother over in Dublin. And this letter says that his mother is D 
deeply ill. And she doesn't have long to live. And he knows that he can't get over in time on a ship. And so he decides to write a letter to her. And he decides to write this letter to explain how he came to understand a faith and a peace in Jesus at all times. And then actually this letter was turned into a hymn. And so I'm just going to read it to you. It's on the screen. Verse 1. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Saviour, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. You will find a solace there. And then like David, in verse 4 of the psalm, suddenly there's a turn in the pronouns that he's using. And it becomes personal. His intimacy with the Lord becomes exposed in this final verse. Blessed Saviour, thou hast promised. Thou will all our burdens bear. May we ever, Lord, we bring in all to thee in earnest prayer. Soon in glory bright, unclouded, there will be no need for prayer. Rapture, praise and endless worship will be our sweetest portion there. I want to say, if you don't know Jesus this morning as your good shepherd, as your saviour, I want to encourage you to come and seek him out. Seek him out. We have our final intro course on Thursday night at Tribeca at 7.30. If you don't know Jesus, come along. Find out who he is, this good shepherd. But I also want to encourage us as a church because I know that many of us are finding life hard. And I want to encourage us that God is walking with you and guiding you. He knows how to guide you to green pastures and to replenish you. He knows how to protect you. He's actually uniquely equipped to lead us through this journey, having been there and conquered. He wants you to know him intimately, not just academically. And he wants to carry you where you feel you can no longer walk. He wants to bring you peace in all circumstances. I'm just going to ask David to come up and just play one song. I just want us to respond. You'll know how you're feeling this morning. You'll know whether you're in that dark valley. You'll know whether there's just a lack of peace. Right here this morning, God knows how to lead us to his peace. He is shalom. He is peace. And I believe for some of us, he just wants to bring refreshing this morning. He wants to lead us into those areas of peace. He wants to remind and equip us that he will never leave you. That he will guide you through this path 
even though you can't see what's around the corner, even though it's a bit scary, even though you don't quite know how you're going to make it through the other side, he does. He's the great shepherd.